Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though. Let's dive right in. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to Yag Neshwaran, also known as Yag, Director of Marketing at Avoma and the host of the ABM Conversations podcast, which is among the top 1% B2B marketing podcasts. And we're talking about why you should reconsider planning your content based on a funnel and what you should do instead. Now on that note, let's dive in. Yag, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much, Shaheen. It's been a pleasure joining you today. And uh, I'm all excited to see how this goes. Yeah, same over here, man. Same over here. I'm I'm really interested. It's a bit of a controversial topic. The funnel is pretty popular. And a lot of people are hardcore advocates of it. But you're talking about, you know, people moving away from the funnel. You're not a big fan of funnel-based content. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of reason to that, right? So what happens is when you look at a funnel-based content, uh, you're thinking about top of the funnel, mid funnel and bottom funnel, you're dividing your entire content thought process into what creates awareness. And then you know, the middle segment where I'm moving them from awareness to interest and then consideration and towards the end, how I make them sign up for the product and things like that. But typically, you know, when you look at that kind of a thought process, you're 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 thinking that people are going to come back to you and consume about seven or eight pieces of content at a minimum before they go on to sign up for your product. And um, I really don't think people have so much of time for uh, you know coming back and forth and spending so much of time with your brand alone. Today, today we are kind of spoiled for choices. You know, any industry, like take our own industry for that matter. Uh, you know, we we uh, when somebody comes into Avoma, they are probably also comparing ourselves with uh, with a gong or a chorus. And uh, if uh, they don't get the answer to that question quickly, then quickly they are they are probably going to go and you know go to our competitor and sign up from there. So our job is how do we make things accessible? as soon as possible. And uh, so for that, we are talking about problem statements. We are talking about things that matter to our prospects and our customers. And uh, and then bring the product into that context. You know, how do I say if I'm talking about a meeting and if I'm talking about how do I choose what's the best piece of content um, needed for my customer, I'm going to go back and say that, hey, listen to uh, the sales calls and then identify some of the key things. And uh, um, from there, you decide what matters more to your prospect based on what they frequently ask your sales guys. And from there, derive your topics. So things like that, you know, bring your product into that context, show them that how this is done. Like I think Ahrefs uh, does a great job of this, right? They talk about how uh, they, they know that they're talking to SEO folks and uh, content marketing folks, and uh, they're talking about their day-to-day problems and bring that product into that context so that before even people sign up, they know why they need to use this product and why this is the right product to use. And the reason I'm a big fan of Ahrefs is that, you know, it's one of those very rare products where you go and you have to pay $7 for trialing the product for seven days. It, it's not a regular freemium product and still they get a loads of signups and, and that's the beauty of it, right? So you, you make sure that you're talking to them and not waiting for them to uh, go through like 
funnels of content consumption and finally deciding that hey you know what i'm going to sign up and i'm going to have that call with the sales rep interesting i mean do you also think because sometimes an organization comes and says that you know what we're offering is so new that the market is not aware of it right and we need to we need that top of funnel stuff for education and uh, and really for them to become problem aware because they might not even know they have a problem. They might not even know that we can solve X, Y, or, or, or Z. So what about what about in those situations? Do you still think that, so those are situations that, you know, you talked about, they got to talk to the sales team and see what kind of content they are talking about and they would need. But, you know, they, and a marketer might argue that, Hey, the product that we're offering is is so unique, or it's so the problem that we're solving is not well known, like Href um, talking about uh, SEO. That we need to have those top of the funnel educational material that is going to drive people to then start having conversation with our sales team. So, what about in that situation? What you know? What are your thoughts about that? Right. So regardless of the situation, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not saying don't uh, come up with a thought leadership content or don't come up with uh, awareness content. All I'm trying to say is that uh, bring down the number of steps. Uh, you know, you don't need to have 10 different pieces of content consumed before people make that move. So I'm just trying to make sure that, yes, even when you're building awareness, show them that how you're going to solve that problem. Why is this a problem? And uh, when you use a product like this or when you uh, when you approach this way, uh, this is how you can cut down your steps or shorten your process or save time or you know increase your ROI. Whatever your value proposition is, you can go into that and you can show them that this is how I'm going to solve your problem and this is why this is a problem. But instead, if you spend lots of time on just building uh, the basis that this is a problem, yes, people are aware of it. Yes, some some of them are not. But when you also indicate that this is how this is this is the path then things become much easier. You know, people start to believe you more. Uh, like say, again, another good example that I can think of is, think of how HubSpot went about with their inbound marketing in 2010, right? So they spoke about a lot of content marketing and things like that, but they also brought in a lot of free tools or they also started talking about how you could use HubSpot in that entire inbound marketing cycle. So it's it's important to incorporate your product in that journey. But uh, one of the gripes that I have against uh, the HubSpot model of marketing is that they also talk about a lot of topics that does not make sense to the product or may not be even relevant. Like say, for example, why would uh, why would you want to talk about how to make a GIF, uh, which is nowhere related to what the company does or you know it does not even cater to that audience. So at least make sure that you're hyper-focused on what problem you're solving for so that you're better known for that than trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, that's a very, that's a really good point. And I think uh, you're, you're right. I, I've seen HubSpot's content going out of hand sometimes and becoming too optimized for SEO. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not really a lot. There are a lot of content that is not talking about SEO, sorry, CRM or CRM related topics, but let's, let's break down this alternative that you talk about a little bit more, right? Can you give us maybe step-by-step -step approach that you take when it comes to content creation? Sure. So one of the things that I do is, you know, I, I always uh, love to listen to the calls first to derive my topics. Like say, for example, right now, I'm, I'm very new at Avoma. One of the first things that I'm doing is, you know, I'm, I'm going back and listening to the all sales calls. Then there, there are two parts to it, right? So one, there is a bit of uh, uh, the content cycle that I want to own. And uh, I can I can say that, hey, these are the keywords that have a lot of volume and uh, it's related I, and I can go by it. 
or there is another path where i can say that hey this is what matters to our customers right now i mean these are the kind of questions that they are asking and we don't have things around that maybe it makes sense to for us to uh, say develop a, a handbook around this or maybe write blogs around that or things like that so once you get closer to the customer i'm not necessarily saying talk to the sales people but you know either listen to the sales calls or listen to the customer success calls or somewhere or either talk to the customer any way possible you know get get to the fundamentals of what really matters to your customer first and then start to build a list of things as uh, you know how you're going to go about resonating them so once once you have that then you decide what is the form are you going to make an ebook are you going to write a blog or uh, is it going to be a landing page or is it going to be a podcast topic if it's a podcast topic who's the right person to talk about it should i bring a guest or should i discuss it all by myself so all of those things you know comes from that so and then you know once you have this basis then also start to think about distribution so for me another big part of any content creation is uh, coming from the distribution angle now it's not like i write a blog and then start thinking about where do i promote this right so i i write it for a very specific kind of an audience like on linkedin i i write for a different purpose you know i i see that what makes sense there might not make sense on twitter and you know what i again uh, maybe post on a site like a growth hackers that's a whole different audience you know i might be sharing a blog there and writing a small outline around that so it it depends on how you want to think about it where you're going to distribute it and who are the kind of people that hang out there and for what purpose and then aligning your core content strategy into the different pieces where it makes sense in that particular format across those places got it that makes sense and i think that that's a really good approach because a lot of you know i i see a lot of marketers where they take the approach of okay let's start with top of funnel now let's produce some mid funnel and then let's produce some bottom funnel um content where if you take the approach that you just described where you listen to sales calls and you you understand what what you you get a very good understanding of what's really crucial what is going to move the needle the most at this current time and you you might hear that holy crap like a lot of people are talking about case studies and we don't have as as many customer success stories or or case studies and maybe that's what i need to focus on and and put a little bit exactly. of energy in and that's a bottom of the funnel piece of content right or yeah. you know yeah. towards a kind of maybe middle to towards the end um but uh, if you don't pay that pay attention to to that uh that you you might not uncover it now you also believe that narratives are at the core of your content and storytelling. Yes. Right? Yes. First of all, what do you mean by narratives? When you say narratives, what what does that mean? Right. So what happens is in any typical industry or any particular product line, uh people are always trying to put you in a box. Right? You know, like say for example, just before we started this conversation, uh when you looked up at Avoma, you the first thing that you asked me was uh okay, are you guys competing with Gong? right so you you we're always trying to uh, put everyone in a specific category and saying that hey this is this is the box in which these guys are playing now what happens is the moment you uh, do that you you start thinking okay gong is playing the sales game maybe avoma is also doing that but in reality when you look at avoma like we are not even thinking about just playing to that we are we are thinking about collaboration as as our core theme uh, like say for example gong talks about revenue intelligence for them it's sales and it's the revenue game 
And then Chorus talks about conversational intelligence. For them, it's about what intelligence you get out of a conversation. And for us, you know, we realize that, you know, the, the DNA that we come from is, is more about making sure that the intelligence that you get about a customer may be from, from a, a typical customer support call or from a customer success call or a sales call. That knowledge needs to be at the fundamental across your organization. So that's that's our fundamental belief. So what I mean by that is, you know, a, a, a guy who is into product development, he or she might have a list of features to develop on, but that's just a document. But what if they are able to get that access and understand that, hey, these are the things that are really important to my customer. And that's the basis on which I need to prioritize the development of features. So that changes the entire game. And similarly, this can work across every function. And the idea is that you, you democratize that part and make it collaborative. So I cannot go out and talk about revenue intelligence. I cannot go and talk about you know conversational intelligence, but I need to come and say, hey, this is the belief system that we come up with, and this is what we stand for. And I want people to look at Avoma as as that piece of uh, you know as that piece of software or a platform that establishes collaboration across the company. Now, why am I saying this? The industry is moving from uh, a system of records like a typical CRM and a marketing automation tool to a collaborative space ever since, you know, the, the COVID scene picked up, you know, everybody is using Slack, everybody is using Zoom, we are pretty much on meetings all day. So how do we solve that problem? How do you how do you make sure that no people are working in different locations? We make the base common and accessible to all. So, and, and one of the reasons that we have this narrative is that you also are not confining yourself to the product that you have today. For example, look at a product like Kodak. You know, Kodak was actually in the business of preserving memories. You know, you could take a photo and that memory becomes a precious that you want to save for a long time. But the way Kodak thought about it, they thought that they were into the films business. And because of that, you know, they were very late entering into the digital game. And that's why, you know, they were not able to adapt. The moment they, if they had understood that they are playing in the memories business and that's the core, then they could have played a whole different game. They could have been more interested in what's the latest technology that helps me deliver this better. And they could have adapted. Netflix, on the contrary, they did a great job. You know, they had a shop where, or they had an outlet where they used to send out the CDs to people. But uh, over a period of time, they realized that streaming is the way to do it in a much better way. And that's how they adopted. So I think narrative is where you tell the world that this is what you stand for. And that's the phrase that you want companies and people and your target audience to think about when they think of you. Right. So, it, I mean, it sounds like to some degree, when you say narrative, you're, you're talking about, I mean, category creation to some degree, but um, really what does the brand stand for? Like, what is it that, you know, you're going to be unique in, in the market. And if somebody hears your brand, what, what is it exactly that you want them to think about? That's what you mean, right? Is that, is that clear? Is that, is that right? You can to an extent. Yes. But here's the thing about category. Okay. Realistically, what happens is, uh, I don't think. I think category. Can... Yeah. I, I, I kind of redacted. If you notice, I said <laughs> category creation. I was like, uh, maybe, maybe not category creation, but sorry, I interrupted you. What did you want to say? 
yeah so what i was trying to say was uh, yes you're right in sense like not everybody can play the category game unless you are you know totally net new but the idea of narrative is that see over a period of time any successful product there are going to be like if if i'm coming up with something new and if that is getting some traction and there's a lot of adoption then of course uh, within a year we are going to have 10 other players doing it in a much faster and a cheaper manner and of course people are going to go that way and then it's going to get commoditized but what you want is beyond a point you want to move away from category and you want to stand for something you want to uh, you want people sticking with you who believe in your dna in your thought process and i think that's that's the duty of the entire company from a content standpoint from the sales standpoint like everybody needs to live that and living that belief system is what i think a narrative is all about and in fact in many ways uh, even even the category creation is more of actually a subcategory creation think of a product like a live chat right so you had uh, you had intercom and then about 5 or 6 years later drift comes into the scene they are still boxed into the live chat and chatbot category but the entire difference that they made was saying that i'm not playing the customer support or i'm not playing the customer engagement game i'm playing conversational marketing and the moment you think of marketing and sales and think of a chatbot or a live chat tool you're thinking of drift so i think that's that what narrative is all about got it that's i love that that's a um that's such a great way of putting it and and then wrapping your content around that narrative and producing content around that narrative that's so good that's that's good stuff yeah is there is there anything else that you think i didn't touch on with regards to content creation the funnel narrative anything that you you think our audience would find valuable that uh, i didn't touch on one last piece that i would also uh, say is that don't go behind a lot of facts uh, you know that's one thing that i i want to be um, you know stressing upon a lot of people when you think of content people start thinking about hey what's the easiest way to bring a lot of traffic you know do i go behind keywords do i do keyword stuffing do i uh, build more backlinks and if you have that mindset then you're probably going to go on a fiverr or any other black market area where you you're going to go and buy things uh, buy buy backlinks and things like that it may help you in the uh, short term but but you know one of the fundamentals that i've always believed in is that the more you come in with the hack mindset the farther you're uh, going from accomplishing your goals and uh, you know after about 12 or 13 years of being in the marketing space what i realize is uh, it's it's much easier and much simpler if you uh, keep things simple and stay grounded and try to get closer to the customer than anything else then the the chances of you being successful is also going to be higher and at the same time you are also going to have more satisfaction because see it's it's much better to get 100 people who are highly relevant to your area reading your content than a thousand nobody uh, who is not going to take any action or they are totally irrelevant to what you do and just show that number for the for the sake of vanity metrics it's not helping anyone so that's that's something that i wanted to leave with Yeah, I love I love the importance of focusing on quality rather than quantity and changing those numbers from from being, you know, a lot of vanity metrics to uh to more solid and uh high quality metrics that you look at. Now, before we wrap up, I got four rapid questions that I want to ask you, right? That. that uh that I'd, I'd love to get your input on. So the first one is what is one resource? It could be a book, it could be a blog, it could be a podcast. could be a talk whatever it is that has fundamentally changed the way you work or live right so in fact there's a lot of it but if i had to pick only you one you got to pick one uh, <laughs> okay i'm going to say anything that tim solo does that is the cmo of hrefs 
So I pretty much read anything that he writes on his blog, his tweets and everything. So Tim Sulu is my biggest source. Okay, got it. Um, now, there's uh, a question that's going to be similar to this, but let's let's see if we get there and if we uh, can add a little bit more to it. But number two is if you could give one piece of advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? I would say don't take yourself too seriously. So that's that's fundamentally very important. The reason I say this is that the the best part of any content writer or any evangelist of a product or anybody who spreads a message is to uh, keep themselves out of the equation. So if you take yourself seriously, uh, then you're going to look at different ways to optimize for yourself, but rather optimize for the purpose. So be aligned to the purpose, be aligned to your belief system and pick a product or service that you can truly believe in and back. Because it's, it's uh, at the end of the day, you are going to bring in that bit of accountability into it. So yeah, choose wisely and don't take yourself seriously. Love it. Third one is, what are the influencers that you follow in the uh, in the marketing space? I mean, you've already named one. Is Does is anyone, anyone else, if you want to name three, and we've already covered the first one, anybody else come to mind? Yeah, yeah, obviously there are lots. And Seth Godin is is my uh, you know one of my all time favorites. I think his philosophy towards marketing is beautiful. It it is very logical, and at the same time, it's uh, devoid of all hacks. So I I love following what Seth does. And in the current times, I I'm also a big fan of what Chris Walker does. In fact, everything that he speaks about on LinkedIn or with Refine Labs. It's it's very practical and it's very approachable. It comes from a place of having done things and showing that, hey, this is the problem that I face on a daily basis and this is what the problems are. And when you relate to people on, on that very tactical and at very fundamental work level, then things become much more relatable. So I really love him for doing that. Got it. Got it. Last one is what's something that excites you about B2B today? Well, so fundamentally, one thing that I'm excited about is making sure that B2B marketing is still interesting and it need not be boring. <laughs> so that's that's something that, uh, you know, that's a challenge at the same time. What I've realized being in this space is that uh, it is it is becoming more and more like B2C in the sense like, especially since COVID-19, pretty much everybody is working from home and, you know, it's, it's not a committee that is making decisions, but it depends on what your product pricing is. Of course, I cannot generalize too much, but fundamentally at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be like how you resonate with people. Like say, for example, I could go in and do tons of research about a particular product and say that, Hey, you know what, I'm going to buy say an LG TV, having compared all the 10 different TVs in the industry. I said, this is what I'm going to buy. And then I, on the, on the, before, before I go on to Amazon to order that, say my friend calls me and I say, hey, I'm going to do this. And he says, hey, man, what are you doing? Sony is the best. You, you need to go for Sony. And without any second thought, you know, finally, I'm going to click and buy Sony because I have trust in that person. So I think that's that's what it's all about, right? So how do you earn trust and how do you build those relationships is what B2B is all about. And that's the journey that excites me the most. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. Well, Yag, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to get a lot of insights out of this conversation. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's so much fun being here. And for the listeners, I hope I made your time worth it. And also, uh, if you have chance, just go in and also listen to the ABM Conversations podcast and uh, feel free to connect with me if I can help you in some way.
Absolutely. I think you're, you, you're doing an awesome work with the podcast. You have such awesome speakers that, that are, that are coming up. I, I mean, you know, it's amazing the, the caliber of the people that you're getting on there and, uh, and, and yeah, definitely make sure there's going to be uh, notes uh, in the, uh, in the comments about the podcast. So check it out. And until next time, see you later. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. and We're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.